Hello and welcome to See What We See with Lauren and Martin. My name is Lauren Cashin. I'm the Executive Director of the Ontario Opticians Association and I'm here with my co-host Martin LeBeau, Deputy Executive Director of the Ontario Opticians Association. Hello everybody and welcome to the first episode of 2021, See What We See with Lauren and Martin. So I'm here with my buddy Martin. Hey Martin, how you doing? Hey Lauren, I'm great. How about yourself? I'm good, thank you. It's been a little while since our last uh, recording, and uh, here we are. It's a new year. I think like most people, we thought we were going to wake up on January 1st, and it'd be a new world. The sun will be out. COVID's gone. But hey, it ain't going away yet. But there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Exactly. We've got to stay positive. It's all about perspectives, right? It certainly is. I think it's really great today that uh, today's podcast is actually sponsored by the Opticians Association of Canada. They're great colleagues of ours, and we really collaborate quite a bit, uh, bringing services and education to opticians, not just in Ontario, but right across Canada. So a great relationship. Uh, you and I have been involved with them for years. It's been many, many years. Absolutely. And their mandate is the exact same thing as the Ontario Optician Association. We put opticians first. Yeah. So Martin, here's a quiz for you. You know, normally we, we work, we know about three O's in eye care. And I bet you do know those three O's. And uh, if we we're going to add a fourth O at this time, do you know who that would be? Well, I do now because I did the research. <laughs> but <laughs> we should tell our, our listeners what the first three O's are, and then uh, we'll add the fourth one. Okay, well, I'll go with the first three because they're the easiest to say. How is that? Ophthalmologists, optometrists, and opticians. And who's the fourth O? The fourth O that we have with us today is orthoptist. First, before I introduce you to the next, the fourth O, uh, we have today with us the Provincial Program Coordinator for the Optician Association of Canada, Daly Shallon. She will be on board with us asking a few questions. And the fourth O is an orthoptist, Lauren. Did you know that? Well, I do now. And uh, actually I have known about orthoptists, you know, being an optician for so many years, we have, uh, we know about them and they play quite a role, quite a role in uh, letting people see with two eyes, having their two eyes work together. Uh, you're absolutely correct. And we're lucky to have one on board today. Uh, he's an orthoptist that works at Sick Kids in Toronto. His name is Jeff Locke. Hi, Jeff. How you doing? Oh, thank you guys for having me. Very excited to be here. That's awesome. Thank you. Um, what does an orthoptist do? What is an, orthop an orthoptist at the end of the day? So the easiest way to think about it is we're walking around every day with two eyes, but we're seeing one world. So orthoptics comes from the study of how well aligned our visual axis is and how our brain processes that information to one composite image. Uh, a lot of people think of it as when the term lazy eye. Uh, so a lot of the time, if the eye is not quite aligned with the other one, deviating in, deviating out, some eyes go up, some go down. Um, and then basically figuring out the pathology causing it from the visual pathway. So we're going right from the ocular muscles going back to the visual cortex. So we work with ophthalmologists pretty much daily uh, to help determine the cause um, and then help them out with any non-surgical treatments. Jeff, can I just jump and ask a question? Because I'm an, as an optician, uh, we hear about strabismus, we hear about lazy eyes. Is this just a children's thing or do you work with adults too? So 
we see quite a bit of pediatric cases uh, because of the incidents, uh, but we also see a lot of adults. So children um, are the least likely to complain. So the visual system is still quite plastic and developing up until about eight to 10. So usually if their eyes go to cross, uh, the brain smart enough to know that they're gonna suppress that image versus see double. Whereas an adult who had this well-entrenched visual system, if they suddenly had, say for example, a palsy of one of the nerves controlling their eye movements and the eyes cannot move well together, they're gonna to appreciate double vision. So as an optician, you're probably gonna see a lot of these people coming in to be fitted for prisms, but to actually help correct that deviation. So if someone's eyes are crossing, you would look at your child and you would, you would see it. Is there other ways that parents and kids find out that they need this type of service? Are there other symptoms that people have aside from us just looking at the person and seeing that their eyes aren't lined up? Uh, yep. So there's a lot of incidents as well where there'd be a really high prescription. So you might see some visual behaviors where you find your child's not quite reaching those visual milestones they should. So in terms of following your face, uh, not being able to see far away, the churn itself could be intermittent where you might think you see it only once in a while because they have some control of that deviation as well. Would they get headaches and uh, behavior problems even with children? Yep, there's pretty much any symptom you could think of in ophthalmology, optometry. It's pretty much, it's, it's such a wide breadth of disorders that could cause it that the symptoms pretty much follow suit as well. Are there orthopists in every province and are they concentrated in more areas than others? Uh, so I know orthoptists in most provinces, uh, definitely a concentration to where the training centers are. So in Canada, currently there are three, one in Halifax, one in Saskatoon, and one in BC Children's. Um, so typically they recruit more in province because people are more aware of the programs. Mm -hmm. um, and then very few will go off to, inter to basically another province unless there's no family commitments. Training-wise or employment-wise, you see a lot of people concentrated in hospital hubs where there's a larger team of ophthalmologists, but I know quite a few that also work privately as well. So a, more of a one-on-one -on -one situation. So can you walk through like a, a typical day for you at the office? Yeah. What's it like? Uh, so there's quite a variety. So in my situation, uh, I think it's working with about 16 ophthalmologists. So each day we kind of have two to three working um, and each has their own subspecialty. So I could be walking into a day where it's pure strabismus. Uh, you're typically getting those children coming in with refractive issues and a muscle imbalance, like your accommodative esotropias. Those are the kids that you might walk, see walking into an optician office saying, we need this kid fitted with a bifocal. Um, and then we could have other days where it's more neurology based. So there might be a tumor in the brain pressing on the optic pathway that's causing an eye deviation. Uh, we could have kids with swelling in the brain causing swelling of the nerves uh, and then also an eye deviation as well. Uh, other days I'm working with ocular genetics, um, so kids with low vision. Um, we see kids with sensory issues due to mediopacities, so congenital cataracts, cataracts due to trauma. Um, we'll work with the retinopathy of prematurity babies coming through. Uh, they have a higher incidence of high myopia and strabismus within the first couple of months as well. So, wow, you see quite a bit of everything every day. It must be keeping you on your toes. Yeah, it keeps it interesting. It's great. I think a lot of people coming into school, it feels like you have this book of theoretical knowledge and then you're going to acquire all this practical stuff, but sometimes you can get siloed in and kind of forget about the rest. I think it's, at least for me personally, uh, going through, I get enough 
spice thrown in throughout the day that I'm kept on my toes. Oh, that's excellent. No, I mean, you're saying you're seeing all these kids around the day with, with obviously different symptoms. Um, do you get to fit them? Do you dispense to them? Any eyewear, contact lenses, or you just do recommendations? Uh, so dispensing, no. So our licensure is essentially under an ophthalmologist. So we're kind of in a physician extender. Um, so going through, I uh, within my skill set, I could refract the child and see if, okay, maybe the hyperopic, that's going to help the churn. But essentially, it comes down to the ophthalmologist decision. So it's more of a recommendation, aid in the care plan, and then we'll do the follow-ups. Are there specialties that you are seeing at your location in Toronto that aren't seen anywhere else in Canada, strictly because of the physicians that are there? Uh, so definitely recruits in some specialties. I'd say the highest one would be our ocular genetics. Um, and that's within the past couple of years, we've been doing more, well, I'd say Canada has accepted more clinical trials. So those conditions that you think of, like retinitis pigmentosa, where you've kind of been told, okay, this is your condition, you're going to go for blind, you'll eventually become blind in life because of this, we'll set you up at low vision services. Uh, now down the pipeline, you're having a lot of these orphan drugs being redistributed to certain gene mutations that could actually help slow the progression. Uh, so we see a lot of families being referred into us because of we're one of the sites that are actually approved for the trials. I'd like to uh, follow up on something that Martin brought up about yeah. uh, asking if you dispense. Yeah. So obviously you would work with opticians, uh, with refractionists to come up with prisms and, and different prescriptions. Is there any other, other ways? Cause well, I know part of the answer is there's must be training or exercises. Uh, yep. So that's part of our, uh, within scope for the non-surgical management. So they're in between. So if we think of uh, eye misalignment in kind of three broad categories, one where it's manifest there all the time, you're always seeing it on your child. One could be intermittent where it's quite frequently because they're losing control of that churn uh, or euphoria, which we all kind of technically have the way our eyes sit in the orbit and we have that muscle tone that keeps them straight. Uh, so there could be individuals with that euphoria or intermittent churn that are always putting in that constant extra strain to keep their eyes straight, uh, where exercises, especially convergence um, exercises, would kind of help make them a little more comfortable. Do you find a lot of these things kids grow out of, or is it usually something where they'll have to be, there'll be surgery involved at some point, or it's just something they, again, do they grow out of it, or is it something they're, they're going to deal with one way or another through their life? No, there's so many factors. <laughs> Uh, one is typically the pathology. If the pathology is removed, uh, you can see it get much, much better. Uh, other incidents, when it's just kind of the strabismus itself, it's how compliant they are with the therapies. It's not a sexy therapy to do pen push-ups or have to wear an eye patch a lot of the time for amblyopia treatment. So it depends on how much buy-in you get in, and you're going to see results based on that. Um, and then other times it just doesn't work, and then surgery might be the end result. So I hope you don't mind, but I was uh, looking up on LinkedIn and all that before just to try to get to see what you do a little bit. And one thing that I've noticed is one of your designation, I'm not sure even how to say it. Is it COMT? Is it C-O-N-T? Um, what is yeah. that? Yeah. So there's a big uh, ophthalmic technology society based out of the U.S. and they're now international called Jacopo. So they'll certify ophthalmic technicians and you kind of work up to the ranks to a technologist. Uh, so my training back in Halifax, it was kind of co-training. 
uh, for your Thoptic certification and then your certified ophthalmic medical technologist training as well. So that's kind of when you're thinking of more on technical diagnostics. So fluorescein angiographies, ophthalmic photography. Um, I use it a bit. We do a lot of visual electrodiagnostics. So same idea if you were to have an electrocardiogram of your heart. When that heart beats, it gives off a bioelectrical signal that you can measure in a waveform. Same idea, the retina at the back of your eye, when it captures light, you're gonna see a little wave as well. Um, so you can actually use electrophysiology to see certain patterns of inherited eye disease or acquired eye disease. Um, and that being said, going back to your visual cortex, you could also do the same for visually evoked potentials. No, that's great. I mean, it must come in handy with what you do every day. I mean, it goes hand in hand. No. Yeah, it's nice, especially those pieces when you come in, uh, the more objective findings you can have, it's a lot easier, especially when you're dealing with a more pediatric population where you're not always going to get a reliable subjective response. <laughs> well, you're trying to pull the truth out of your patients there? Or? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. Deciphering so what, uh, what your patients want or needs are is always uh, something a little challenging in our field. Well, don't, don't complain. Well, it's, I'm sure, yeah, exactly. That's as an adult walking in, you're going in with a purpose. As a child, you've been dragged here, and this is not a good use of your time. You need a lot <laughs> of patience. Yeah. <laughs> your patience. So um, how, how many times a week do you hit uh, the, the store to get some lollipops for your patients, right? Uh, stickers are good currency. It's good, yeah. stickers, uh, good to know. Can't get in trouble yeah. giving a kid a sticker. But nowadays, no. you have to get permission to give a lollipop. And then yeah. You're probably right. Are you registered? Do you have to register yearly with any governing body? Yeah, so we have a governing body. Um, there's a Canadian one and an American one as well for us in North America. Uh, and that governing body is made up of ophthalmologists and some certified orthoptists. Oh, cool. Very and then also Jacopo is their own certifying body as well. So between both designations, it's a lot of continuing education. So we can't do a podcast or an interview without bringing up COVID. Um, mm. So how has COVID affected your practice at the hospital? Uh, so initially there was a huge shift. Um, so the hospital decided um, we had to really reduce the number of people in the building itself. So all of our ambulatory um, services pretty much shut down to urgent only, which essentially was people coming through eMERGE or some of the inpatients that we typically see while they're admitted. Um, so that kind of shifted us to do a bit more on the virtual ophthalmology scope, and that's been a learning curve for us. So the first two months was really investigating platforms we could do virtually that would be PIPA compliant, trying to find a software that we would either do the send families app to test at home and send in results, um, which we learned quickly that was not reliable in children. So we had to find a platform that we could do live vision testing that was actually calibrated. So we did a bit of that, which was pretty good. It was a lot easier in our strabismic kids because we have a lot of objective findings. We can actually watch physically while we're live on the stream. Mm -hmm. um, but ultimately it just kind of turned into a re-triaging tool to say, yeah, your vision's down. We do need to re-refract you, but you're not in school right now. So we can postpone six more months. Opening up into the next few months, we slowly kind of trickle back in as a more PPE became available, um, more knowledge around the disease and its spread. So we get into more um, 
more continuing care. So we were able to bring in more people on our active medications. So a lot of kids who are on glaucoma drops who we really need to bring them in, get their pressures because we are doing active management. Um, and now we're kind of back in the sense where we can kind of see our regular follow-ups and try to get them within a routine window. Okay. So I got to ask you, have you had your vaccination yet? I'm still waiting. Okay. Yeah, I'm sure you guys are following Ontario's. Oh, yes. Struggles. Yeah. Do you have a backlog of patients left because of it? Yep. Um, so essentially, we're probably looking at like a two to three month lag right now. Um, we've re-triaged and we have, we actually onboarded another optometrist on site. So we are trying to pick up some of the backlog within certain subspecialties that the optom can manage themselves, at least for an in-between visit check-in. So I imagine this is an extremely rewarding profession. I know as an optician, when, when you, when someone says I've never seen so well, or no one is able yeah. to get me to fix this problem. And you know, you're doing a similar thing, but you're working with children and there's probably nothing more gratifying than helping a child. So how do you feel when you when you see results? That's the fun thing. And it really depends on the child itself. I see results and I'm like, oh my God, giddy up. And the kid's like, okay, can we go now? <laughs> and then there's other times where those, it's those drastic cases where no one's really noticing anything. And all of a sudden they put on glasses and their behavior changes. And like, that's very rewarding to see. Yeah. Now, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you have to manage expectations like everything else. How does that work with parents? I mean, do they come in and expect you to do miracles right off the get-go? Or is there a plan laid out for them ahead of time? Yeah. Um, so managing expectations, it's always an ongoing battle, I think, in any profession. Um, I don't know if it's a Toronto thing in general, but across the board, people come in and they want to answer before they leave. And not only do they want to answer, they want to fix. So uh, a lot of the time in ophthalmology eye care, it's more of a longer step-by-step -step process. So onboarding people to the process is usually kind of the biggest time commitment of the appointment itself. Testing the kids is pretty quick. Like once you get them in, they're in, turn it into a game and they'll challenge you to it. Uh, but parents' expectations, that, that's the one that's ever-changing. So you still have to perform some customer service. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, customer service and healthcare never stops. No matter what profession you're in, you're you're selling your you're selling yourself. You're selling the department you're working in, and you pretty much have to have buy-in for them if they're going to have confidence in your treatment plan. Absolutely. You got it because parents and their children. You know, it's it's a, it's a tough one because you got to be there for them, and uh, their child, of course, means all the world to them, and they expect you to to work miracles and uh, the bar set really high when they walk in that door for you. They're looking to you, right? So it sounds like a really rewarding profession. It really does. Oh, thank you. I enjoy it so much. And that's, I think there's elements to adult care in terms of pathology that I'm missing sometimes, but at the end of the day, I can't imagine not working with kids. Yeah, very gratifying. What was your path to your profession? So it's uh, a long path back. So my grandfather actually has retina and his pigmentosa and he's been blind since I've been born. So growing up, um, watching his navigation, there's always kind of an interest in vision itself. Um, trying to always trying to pretend like, well, closing my eyes and figuring out how he's navigating the world was always kind of an interesting aspect. I knew healthcare since I think junior high was the route I was going into. 
the orthoptics was kind of a accidental find. So in my undergrad, I was doing my thesis and I was like at the tipping point of, do I want to do a professional program? Do I want to continue on into research? Uh, kind of stumbled upon this program itself. It was tied into a master's uh, plus my professional development. I thought, oh, it's best of both worlds. I'll try this out. Um, worst case scenario, I'll do a professional program after that um, if it wasn't meeting the standards I wanted. But I fell in love. My training was in a pediatric center in Halifax at the of UK. I did my master's in electrophysiology through Dalhousie. Um, and then I wound up here at SickKids. The right job opened at the right time in terms of retirements, and I got hooked. And here I am eight years later. And flies when you have fun, right? Yeah. <laughs> so a little bird told me that you have a webinar coming up in a couple of weeks or so. Uh, you want to give us a quick overview of what's gonna, what are you going to talk about? Yeah, sure. So I figured... Um, it's a pretty niche world. My first initial thought was, well, in terms of walking into the optical shop, it's why are we giving weird things to kids like a prism? Why are we giving them a bifocal? Why is an emetropic kid now wearing a minus two lens? Why is this hyperopic kid wearing more than their full prescription? Um, so I thought before getting into that, the webinar I would focus on first is kind of an introduction to strabismus itself. So the muscles on the eye how they move the eyes and how they move the eyes together to coordinate movements so our brain can see one single image. I'm going to go through our cranial nerves that control those movements. Um, and towards the end of the lecture, I will go on some of those common dysfunctions that affect those cranial nerves that have very clear signs in terms of eye misalignment that you might see in the optical shop. That could be an ocular emergency. Um, and then also kind of a little spiel of what we actually do in the clinic in terms of how we actually measuring an eye misalignment and what do we do with those measurements? Well, that wow. sounds interesting for anybody that's interested in actually listening to the webinar. It's happening on February 15th. It's put on by the Optician Association of Canada. Again, that's on February 15th. Well, you really enlightened us today and uh, I'm looking forward to your webinar. I can't wait because as a practicing optician, I think it's going to be really, uh, really another area that I can watch out for when those kids are coming in the store. Thanks for coming on, Daly. Thanks for coming on, our friend Daly Shellen. We appreciate you coming on, Daly and Jeff. We really appreciate it. And thanks again to the Opticians Association of Canada. Thanks for taking my original call and allowing me to convince you. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you guys so much. This I, is a really um, exciting opportunity. I think that... Um, uh, I think that there is a real, there's a gap in our education, um, in young people sharing their knowledge and what they're doing and the exciting fields that they're going into. And so I'm really glad to have someone like Jeff to come and present to opticians so that they know that people can find their path early on <laughs> and uh, that it is possible to, to instruct and to teach and to, to lecture. Um, you don't, have to be at the end of your career to do it it's not a retirement thing yeah. <laughs> comment daily <laughs> <laughs> well thank you both of you for coming on today uh jeff thank you very much for all the information it was great and uh hoping we have the opportunity to talk some more for uh, further down the line and uh, get to learn more about what you do every day it sounds amazing to be honest with you I'm sure a lot of people are going to want to tune in and uh, 
maybe look it up and do some research on the program and uh, probably going to ask you a few more questions down the road. Thank you again. Thanks, guys. Thank you. That was wonderful. What a great topic to talk about today. Thank you so much to Daily Shalid from the Optician Association of Canada and our special guest today, Jeffrey Locke, an orthoptist at Sick Kids Hospital. And just a reminder, today's episode was sponsored by the Optician Association of Canada, our great friends and collaborators. And Martin, let's not forget to remind everybody that Jeff will be appearing on the OAC webinar on February the 15th, and he'll continue his discussion as to what an orthoptist does. Uh, so if you'd like to register for the webinar, visit opticians.ca and look for OAC Connect, where you'll be able to register. So that's it for today. Can't wait to see everybody again on our next episode of See What We See with Lauren and Martin. Thank you, take care, and stay safe. Thank you for listening to See What We See with Lauren and Martin. Be sure to follow us across our social media pages so you never miss an update or an episode. You can find us on Twitter at OOA underscore Frontline. On Facebook and LinkedIn, we are Ontario Opticians Association. Follow us on Instagram at Ontario Opticians Association. That's all one word. We look forward to seeing you again on See What We See with Warren and Martin. Take care and stay safe.